topic that we're looking at is Isaiah 43. We're looking at the presence of God based on the idea of uh, Jesus had a gospel. Jesus' gospel had the idea in it that you should be able to experience the presence of God uh, in amongst your spirituality, in amongst your uh, outworking of your faith. Now, uh, I'm sure plenty of you would have uh, different things that come to mind when I say experiencing the presence of God. Uh, And often many of those things might be, hang on a second, I'm experiencing the presence of God just before I die. (laughs) Um, I've got a story to tell a little bit about that in a moment, but as an intro to this idea of experiencing the presence of God, I went down on the street again this week, and I've got another video uh, to show you of what I did. I was with Christine next to her. Um, she sells cakes and pies down at the front of IGA, and she also um, uh, collects money for animal rescue. So have a look at this video, and uh, and I hope you enjoy it. Free hugs. Oh, you ran away. He was on. He was saying you wanted one on the way in. Get your free hugs. Compliments of church. Free hugs. Would you like a hug? Oh, don't mind. Right there. Right there. Like you get a free hug. Up there. Nice. Um, we're part of the local church. We're aware that people struggle a lot in lockdown, so we're giving out some attention to people. Well, that's very nice. I like that. Would you like a animal rescue? Animal rescue? Oh, that's nice. Thank you. 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 It always works well, and I think it's my dad killed him when everybody sees him. Uh, and when it comes back, you know, you're worried about lockdown. Well, a little bit. Um, I'm sort of missed out on getting sort of granddaughter's wedding over in Queensland. It's, it was so up and down, we didn't know we were going to get there. We just put in the quarantine before it died. We were going to get there and back, and it, it was just too much like hard work for me. So. Oh. <laughs> but, um, hey, Hey. I'll give you a hug. Pleasure. Get in No, I'm from the Lake of Church here at Baptist Church. We're having a bit of fun and giving people hope and bringing you a bit of joy. But, in amongst but, everybody's but, why the Why the mask there? Because maybe people want to have a hug with a mask on so they don't have to worry about my germs. Yeah. Okay. Three hugs. Can you give me five dollars? I'll, I'll give you oh. five dollars. No, 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 no. Thank you very much. <laughs> I didn't tell her, my wife, that I was going to do that, and this is the first time that she's seen the video, so. (laughs) 
Anyway, experiencing God's presence, you know, is there a chance that what what I share in my life and how I live my life is actually going to impact other people and, and give the presence of God to other people? What do you reckon? Yeah, free hugs, low cost, one smile, free hugs, compliments of the church. Great idea. Anyway, I thought it was a great idea. You can think what you want. Um, okay, let's get into it. Okay, so as let me tell you the story uh, that I felt about experiencing God's presence uh, just as a taste. Okay, when we first decided to move to Margaret River, I had secured work in Bunbury. We were driving backwards and forwards um, from uh, Bunbury to Perth. One day I decided, you know what, I'm going to drive via Harvey. I'm going to drive via Harvey. I'm getting bored of the freeway. And uh, extra half an hour, why not? Uh, just on the Perth side of Harvey, there is a combined cresting road that goes, sweeps right and then it sweeps left and you can't actually see these bends. And it was about 8.30 at night, had the high beams on. You know when you're driving through the forest and you see the, the high beams up the sides of the trees and they're like flames coming up the sides or just this cresting thing over the top. It's glorious, isn't it? Just beautiful to drive through. As I went up and around this crest, there was a big kangaroo sitting right-hand side on the white line. I reckon if I wasn't concentrating on the road that I could have I could have given him a handshake <laughs> as he winked at me as I was going up and over this crest, didn't even see him. Uh, I can say, yes, it was, it was a beautiful moment where the hairs prickled on the back of my neck and I knew I was very close. That would have been a very interesting moment. I can say that for the next 20 minutes, I was very aware of God's presence in my life <laughs> and uh, yeah, and all of that. Okay, near-death near experiences kind of bring the world to a fresh perspective. I have a friend who's a paramedic and they say that people who are on the stretcher in the back of the ambulance of his, uh, of his ambulance, they often call out for two people. And they're, they're either calling out for their mum or they're calling out for God. You know, in that, in that moment in the car, I was, I was snapped out of my existence. I was, I was searching for the greater meaning. I was wondering uh, what was going on. And I wonder if you've had the same experience. Um, have you had a chance to snap out of the world for a moment just to look at the bigger picture, one where we might recognize God's continuing or ongoing presence in our life? As humans, we tend to look only at what's in front of us. Things sort of fall into a rhythm. We find a pattern. We find things become normal in that space. Who's present in my life? My family, my friends, uh, my social media feed, my news feed, my regular coffee and paper in the morning. Who's present with us in that space? Whoever I let in. Whoever I let in is present to us in that space. I have a friend who recently posted this on her Facebook page. Uh, you only live once, so make sure you spend 15 hours on the internet every day desperately seeking validation from strangers. I love that she's honest about how sometimes we so desperately seek to be present with someone, we turn to whatever form of validation that we can. We've created a world around us that tells us that it's present and yet the culture of which is somewhat disconnected. I have friends of mine that are online or you see the icon online with a green light next to them. You see their face and little green light says, oh, they're online. I could talk to them if I want. Hang on a second. They're probably busy and I'm busy. And so Facebook loves to do this. Here you go. Here's six icons up in a row. All of my friends' green lights. Do I talk to any one of them? No. Interesting. Do they message me? No. Interesting. Perhaps I carry them with my pocket 
even though I don't talk to them. You know, they're present with me. They're present. They're in my pocket. Interesting thought. So what does Jesus have to say about being present? What, what did Jesus have to say about experiencing God's presence? If you've been with us for the past few weeks, you've been, you'll be aware that we've started a series in our lead up to Christmas that looks at the way that Jesus would have understood the kingdom of God, the way in which his own humanness, in his own humanness, he would have read scripture uh, and then had to come to an understanding of what the kingdom of God might have looked like and meant for, for him as he started his ministry on earth. Scholars suggest that the book that Jesus used was Isaiah. And this week we're looking at a text that may have helped Jesus formulate and come to an understanding of how God's presence is meant to be a part of a believer's life. So today's passage in Isaiah is awesome. and I'd love to take you, take you back there, but in your mind, right? I want you to picture Jesus sitting there with the text of Isaiah in front of him, just reading it as a kid, as a 15-year-old, as a 20-year-old, and just sitting with it so that then he can formulate what it is that he's going to be teaching on when he actually comes into his ministry. So he would be able to draw on this and know God's heart for humanity. So with this as an introduction, let's find out what Jesus would have understood about experiencing the presence of God based on Isaiah. And we're going to look at Isaiah 43, 1-7, and we're going to take some time to unpack the context, and then we're going to bring it uh, back into the 21st century for today. I've just got the first half up there, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, I have, rese- I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. I love this verse in verse 2 where it says, You pass through the waters, I'll be with you through the, through the fire. It makes me think of that classic 1984 church banger, uh, Fear Not. Who knows the song, Fear Not? Who knows it? Yes, you know it. I made my family sing it in the car last week. It was, it was awesome. I'm not going to uh, force that on you today. But it's easy to get caught up and think of these as surface level, simple examples of how God may be present and then miss the depth of the reason why it's in the scripture. So let's look at how Jesus understood these from the perspective of Middle Eastern young Jewish men. As we start out, I always want to look um, both forward and backwards of a text to make sure that we get the context of where a text is placed, given its surrounding scriptures. Okay, so that means that we're going to have to jump around just a little bit today. However, um, remember how I said we like to be present with people. I said we like to be present with people. And I made comments about social media. Okay, so if we jump back just one chapter to chapter 42, have you ever gotten to the bottom of your page or your bottom of your news feed and you're scrolling and you go, hang on a second, what did I just read? What did I just read? Um, have you ever gotten to the bottom of the page of a book and you thought, what was that again? Or you've, you've read your newspaper and there's been tragedy. You know, we read it on our, on our scrolling all the time. Oh, there's been a tragedy in uh, Lebanon or there's been something that's happened up north. Um, and then sometimes we might actually forget that. We go, hang on a second, I caught onto that and then it was good for me. And now I've forgotten it. They experienced it too in Isaiah's day. And it's written in 42 verse 25. It says this. It says, you've seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you don't listen. Isaiah's calling people out. Presence and the experience of presence means that you actually put the effort into caring about what it is that you've been reading or who it is you've been talking to 
or making a choice of what you put into your heart is either good or bad, and you choose what it is that you're, you're feeding into yourself. Whose presence are you experiencing? So that's an interesting thought from, verse, from chapter 42. Let's go back just a little bit more. Let's go back a little bit more. We're going to back uh, to 38. Isaiah in chapters 38 and 39 talk about how the Jewish nation goes about putting together their own sort of do-it-yourself strategies uh, and remedies in place, how they, how they sort out their own presence of God. In 38, we have King Hezekiah, one of the Judean kings, struck down with sickness. He's worried for his kingdom, which is being attacked by neighboring Assyria. In God's graciousness, God promises Hezekiah that God will deliver the people from this threat and miraculously heal his sickness as a sign that God is with them. How good is that? How good is that? God not only promises protection, but also gives actually a miraculous sign of healing to confirm it. That's chapter 38. The next chapter along, 39. We see shortly after this that a Babylonian who's also under threat uh, from the Assyrians has come up to shore his own defenses and he entices Hezekiah to become allies with Babylon. Hezekiah accepts this. He says, yeah, come on in. Come and have a look at what i got. We can be allies. This would be great. Unfortunately, this means that he's, he's letting go of the gift that God has and says, I will be with you. He's leaving the promise and confirmed presence of God for his people. Instead, he chose to work with a side that's going to end up enslaving the Jewish nation, forcing them into Babylonian exile and slavery. And so effectively, this portion of Isaiah is looking at the pattern of Jewish missteps, where God uses their bad decisions to actually help us teach us about God's character. Back in chapter 42, we see the devolving into captivity for those around. And instead of God rescuing the Israelites from this captivity, we have to come to understand the purpose of why this captivity has happened. And it says this, God's given the people uh, a chance to try their do-it-yourself remedies. Uh, verse 24 of 42 says, who is it that's handed over to them? Who is it that's handed them over? Actually, it's God. God handed them over. Was it not the Lord? Was it not the Lord that handed them over? In the end, 42 ends up with people knowing that they're not well, that they're do-it-themselves solutions. It enveloped them in flames and consumed them. But actually, not enough to care. It enveloped them. They didn't know what to do. They didn't take it to heart. You know, God's given us enough rope uh, that we might see the end of where our trouble might lead if we decide to follow it. And they see the, the end of their trouble, but they don't, they don't care. Oh, yeah, this is not going well for me. This is not going to end well if I keep down this path. This is not going to be helpful for me, but not enough to care. Have you ever felt like that sitting at your phone, sitting at your computer, you're scrolling through? I've just scrolled for a little longer than I should have. Maybe 20 minutes, maybe half an hour. Maybe I've just burned up an hour scrolling. I don't know if you've ever done that. A couple of nods around the place, a couple of guilty feelings. Yeah, maybe a little bit longer than I should have. Maybe I let my eye look at that image a little bit longer than I should have. Uh, maybe I let my mouth say things that I didn't mean to, perhaps after scrolling too long or finding the bottle, uh, the bottom of the bottle, or whatever vice it is that you have, you might say to yourself, well, I guess, I guess this is my life. This is, this is what reality is. Maybe my life isn't actually that good. Maybe this is all there is. Perhaps that's what life is. 
But actually, no, that's not all there is. Isaiah gives us the depth of the human condition, the, the depth of the failings of the humans. And then in the next chapter, 43, which is our text today, takes us poetically and prophetically to the ideals of kingdom living. Takes us from, well, I've tried to fill my life with things and people, and I feel connected and present with them, but actually there's a problem. It takes us to a place where God is real and present. And experiencing God is an everyday occurrence. Okay, so let's get into verse 43, chapter 43, where I want to spend the second half of this message. Once again, remember, this book is actually pointed to the Jewish readers. It's absolutely everything that Jesus needed to read as a growing man to understand the human relationship of his nation and his people to God. Okay, so as we read this now, we read it through that lens of understanding. And we know that it's through this framework that Jesus would then be speaking to us as Christians today. Okay? I love that poetic Isaiah. He takes us from flames that consume us to flames that we don't have to be afraid of. So Isaiah here is laying it down. The why we don't have to be afraid. Speaking for God, Isaiah writes in verse 1, that although we might not remember it, if we start at the beginning God lays claim to his people. He lays this claim on the people because he was there at the starting point of existence, the uncaused first cause. God has shaped the wheel of circumstance throughout all of history such that he's allowed you to go as far as you've gone in your life and is now calling you back. In verse 1, we see the starting reasons for the claim of God on the people of Jacob, the broader family name for the Israelites. Here he says, you have been created by me. You are formed by the path that you have taken that I have allowed you to wander. Now I'm going to interrupt here for a shameless plug to tell you all go back and listen to last week's message on peace. As I spoke about peace being part of the kingdom of God last week, I shared that it's in the journey that we find peace. It's in the going that we're able to find peace. It talks about the balance of peace in life that only happens as we go about life, as we go through our circumstances. Okay, so God's first claim is that here has been part of forming our circumstances from the beginning. The second claim of God in verse 1 for keeping people safe comes in the form of buying you back from the things that you've given yourself over to. If you're a fan of Old Testament scripture, you might be familiar with the Jewish custom of the kinsman redeemer. I know, I know Dorothy, she led the church through, what was it, a year ago before COVID? We had a great night where we walked through uh, Ruth as a church. Um, and if you're into Ruth, you'll find that idea of a kinsman redeemer, a family member who has the right or duty in your family to pull you out of debt or trouble. And so this idea of kinsman redeemer, not only is God claiming this right, but, as I, but Isaiah keeps pushing us deeper and he says that not only does he have this right, but God knows your name and he's calling it personally. God is saying that though you might have done this stuff and walked away, he's saying, I know you. I know everything about where you've been and what you've done. What's more, I'm the only one that has the right to take over your debt. And what's more, I know you deeply and I know you personally. That's what's being said to the reader in verse 1. Let me reread verse 2 before I tell you a story. Verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Story time. Lexi, my six-year-old daughter, 
is uh, having trouble learning how to ride her bike. She's getting bigger. We purchased a, a new second-hand bike for her. Uh, this one doesn't have training wheels. It's a little bit larger. It's getting sunny out time, sunny outside time for her to learn how to ride it. I was with her when we first started training her on it. Uh, I've got the muscle to be able to pull her back straight if she starts to wander off of balance. And there's a very personal relationship that's happening in that moment. There's a lot of trust between me and my daughter as she's learning to ride a bike. My wife tried to take her out the other day for a lesson and she told mum, no mum, you don't do it right. Only dad knows how to teach me to ride properly. My daughter in those moments, she's going through the fire. She is going through the fire there is definitely pain if she falls over. She is in the fire, but I'm with her. I know her personally. I called her by her name. I'm not letting her go. And at this point, the metaphor breaks down because I'm definitely letting her go. <laughs> but you get it, right? I called her personally. I know her trust, yeah? Okay, so for Isaiah, he's sharing these stories to the Israelite people. He's not just saying, ooh, fire's hot and God will stop you getting burned. He's calling the people to remember the different times that God has already done these things. And he's saying God will be able to do them again. When you pass through the waters is a very real reminder for the Jewish people of the exodus from Egypt. And before that, the promise of Noah from the writings that every Jewish child would learn as a kid the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Jesus would have read this passage in Isaiah and immediately go, oh, that's what that was. Oh, I know that connection of the people of God to God's very real protective presence. What biblical story does your mind go to when I say the Jewish people have seen this before? When Isaiah says, flame will not set you ablaze. Daniel? Yeah, anything else? Moses and the burning bush. That's where I went. Actually, I did go to Daniel first. Uh, now, this is the kicker. This is the prophetic part of Isaiah. Isaiah was written in 700 BC. Daniel was written in 200 BC. 500 years before Daniel was in the fire. And we have this text, prophetic text. Jesus would have read that and gone, wow, in his humanness. Amazing, amazing. Okay, and so Jesus Jesus would have looked at that and, and taken that. You will not be consumed. He would have been very, very serious about taking this writing. God has moved before. God has been prophetic in the way that he's written. Daniel, Jesus would have known the story of Daniel, and he would have seen this. You will not be consumed. What do you reckon that would have given Jesus as he moved through his life? as he went towards the cross. Confidence. Such unbelievable confidence. Okay, so this is a prophetic voice 500 years in advance. You know, to know that God the Father would be present in Jesus' trial and suffering on behalf of us. Beautiful, beautiful. Let's keep moving. Verse 3. Isaiah keeps on listing God's favor for the Israelites through the years. He says, remember, he says, in verse 3b, in, in verse 4, he says, Not only have I done these amazing things to save you in the past, but remember that time that I not only rescued from Egypt's uh, army at the water, but remember that time that I actually sent all the plagues all the way up the Nile 
and gave up all of those people for you in 4B. And so it's based on this claim of God that the past help provided to Jews, the remembrance of not only did, it pro- did I provide the help, says God, but I also gave up a lot of other people in the process just so that you would know that I am present with you. And here we come to our key verse, verse 5. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. Chapter 38, God, I'm sick and my country's under attack. God says, do not be afraid. I am with you. Chapter 42, God, I'm scrolling. I don't know who my friends are anymore. I'm reading, but nothing's going in. God says, don't be afraid. I am with you. What about today's chapter 43? Not sure of who you are. Verse 1, not sure if you're in your right skin. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Not sure, not okay with things in your past or present Past circumstances have taken you away from doing God-honoring things. God says, don't be afraid. I am with you. Not sure if I measure up to being called a child of God or being a Christian. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Verse 2, scared because an entire country is chasing me down and the only thing in front of me is an expansive ocean. I can't think straight. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Scared because the whole world is drowning. I feel like I'm going under too. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Verse 3, scared because other people are hurting and it doesn't make sense for me to be okay while they're in pain. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Jesus read this. Jesus knows intimately God's plan. Trust God's purpose for his life. Crucified. Comes back from the grave. What does he tell his disciples? Matthew 28, verse 10, verse 20. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Not just I am with you, I am with you always to the end of the age, the end of the church age. In John chapter 17, we find Jesus praying for us as believers. It says this in verse 22, John uh, John chapter 17, verse 22. Jesus praying for us, it says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. 23, I in them and you in me, so that we or they may be brought to complete unity, that the world would know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I in them and you in me. God's presence is amongst us as the Spirit of Christ dwells in each one of us as the gift of the Holy Spirit, or as a gift of the Holy Spirit. Christ in us. If we wanted to keep going through the rest of chapter 43 in Isaiah, or just the last little section from verses 5 to 7, it expands on who the who is. Who will be the recipients of the presence of God? This was for the Jewish people. I said, let's put the lens on. We're reading through the Jewish people. Actually, let's read through the last part. This is that prophetic thing. This is that 500 years in advance. No, no, we're talking 2,000 years in advance now. We are talking all compass points. All people will be the recipients of the presence of God if they believe. North to south, east to west, all who are called by name, all who are called by my name. Can we outwork that this week? Can we be the presence of God to our community? Can we be the face of God to our community? God promised for the Israelites in Isaiah here supercharged Jesus' understanding about his own relationship to God in his humanness up to God. 
And it can do the same for us if we let it. Our God has made all the effort. Our God hasn't changed, though we might have. Don't be afraid to trust him this week. Don't be afraid. I will be with you. So how are you going to live out your life this week? I hope Jesus' understanding of this scripture and subsequent passing it on to us has been helpful for you today. If you're wanting prayer for anything after the service, I'm going to be down the front here for a bit. And I'm sure that there are others in the building that would also like to pray for you as a sign of God's presence in them, Jesus' presence, praying for you specifically so that you might know the presence of God. For those that are struggling with any of the vices I mentioned at the start of the sermon, addiction to scrolling, trouble having control over areas of your life that you never thought would get away from you, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to connect you to people that would be able to help you through this problem. We trust that God will be present and helping you through these spaces as he's promised, I will be with you. What about, what about my friend in my pocket that I carry with me? If I never contact them, when the troubled times come, will they be there for me? Perhaps they have troubles of their own that I don't know about. It would be unfair for me to actually say, hey, I've got troubles, come and help me. I don't know them. I, I haven't touched base with them in a long time. How can we expect support from someone we don't spend time with? Or how can we expect support if we don't allow presence with them? Now, that's a very human way of thinking about it. God is always active and present in our life, in our world. But it's interesting thought. What DIY solutions are we using to surround ourselves with what we perceive to be a good presence instead of seeking after what God would have as a good solution for us. Now, I'll leave you that up to, to you guys as you talk about it through the week with your friends and family, Christian community. What's the best way to experience God's presence? Um, I know for me, I love listening to worship music. I know for me, I love uh, praying with people. I know that uh, the other day I went to uh, Uniting Church with Lynette and did a contemplation uh, space where we sat just thinking on Jesus and asking him to come and be a part and be present to us in a uh, meditative group. Really helpful stuff to be able to go, how can I experience God's presence in a deeper way? What about for the people in the ambulance? What about for the people that are at that tail end? We've got to hold on to this idea. Don't be afraid. I will be with you. It's there. The promise is there. Jesus promised it again to us. He opened it right up. Christians everywhere. Perhaps there are some people struggling uh, just the understanding that they've put up DIY solutions, not actually allowing themselves to live in this space of don't be afraid, I am with you. And this week, I want to pray that God will be helping you take steps to live freely and lightly, not needing or trusting in anything other than God's gifts for you this week. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are all around us. Lord, you are active in our community. And Lord, through your spirit, Lord, you indwell each one of us. We are so thankful for that. 
Lord, may we be attentive to your spirit this week. May we know deeply your presence with us, just as Jesus knew it. Just as Jesus knew that you would be with him and that he didn't need to be afraid, and that supercharged his faith to be able to go all the way to the cross. Lord, may we know your presence with us so that whatever we're facing in our life, Lord, that you would help us to attack it head on, knowing that we're not to be afraid. Lord, you are with us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.